This is Christmas Jeopardy. <laughs> now I've turned it on. This is, oh, there it is, Christmas Jeopardy. Now you're all going to be the contestants. I am going to give you an answer. I need to know from you the question. Clear enough? Okay. Now, being gracious in the Christmas season, I've included some clues if you don't happen to get it. Right. Here's our first one. A, round t a rotund and jolly old man who is reported to deliver presents to children on the eve of Christmas. And the question is? Ah, you got that correct. You didn't need the clue. But there it is, in case you didn't know, with Santa Claus. All right. A hoofed mammal of the tundra and subarctic regions of Eurasia and North America, both sexes of which have large branching antlers. Domesticated ones are used for drawing sleds. The answer is? You got it. You didn't even need the clue. I am very proud of you. A humanoid figure consisting of frozen water vapor, attired with a top hat, carrot nose, and eyes made out of coal. It is? No, it's who is Frosty? Yes. And if you didn't get it, that was the clue. You're doing so well. A woody perennial plant of the evergreen variety, decorated with ornaments and lights during December. It is a, or I mean, what is a Christmas tree? And if you didn't get it, I had a clue for you. That, that didn't help, did it? All right, look, what's 2,000 pounds? And what is this thing? Bomb. It's Otunnenbaum. Well, let's stick with the legitimate questions. A European semi-parasitic green shrub with thick leaves, small yellowish flowers, and waxy white berries. Tradition permits people to kiss under it, a twig of it. It is a mistletoe. And if you didn't get that one? I'm giving one of these to, not these, but I'm giving mistletoe to Caleb for Christmas because it's the first year he could actually use it. Now, you did very well. You did exceptionally well of knowing the traditions of Christmas. But how much do you know about the real meaning of Christmas? And it's important you know the real meaning of Christmas so you're not hit with a triple jeopardy. The jeopardy may be, if you don't know the essential meaning of Christmas, you may not be able to participate in the transforming experience that Christmas can bring. More so than it looks like um, makes uh, Ebenezer Scrooge's experience look like just changing socks. Another jeopardy would be you would not be able to share this information with somebody who really needs to know it, like a grandchild or a neighbor or someone of your co-workers. Or that we don't cheat God out of praising him for all the things accomplished on this particular day. And so let's do this. Let's examine it. Now, you don't have to take a seminary course. All you need to know is one sentence. You don't need to need two volumes on incarnational theology. 
What you need is two verses, because the two verses actually form one sentence. You don't need a smorgasbord. You only need a Happy Meal. You don't need a major medical center. All you need is a first aid kit. Yes, because a first aid kit, what? Has all the essentials in it in a compact space. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first aid kit of Christmas ignorance. Now, let's look at those two verses in one sentence that will tell us all we need to know. Because if you look what was in this, you'll find out it was the who, what, when, where, why, and how. All six questions are going to be answered in this one sentence. So you better get your pens out for this one. You're not going to see this again. All right, here's the scripture. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. So, let's see. Who? And the answer will be his son. That is the who of Christmas. Now, this is a very special son. In the beginning was the word. So his son was an eternal son. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He is a divine son. And thirdly, we can say, among other things, he is a unique son. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only begotten, the unique one. And in the most familiar verse, probably the New Testament, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, the unique son. So the who of Christmas is not a snowman. It's the God-man. It's not a reindeer. It's one who will dearly reign as King of kings and Lord of lords, God's son. It's not Santa Claus. It's Savior Christ, God's son. I one time drove by a church, and they had a, a sign out in front that said, Keep Christ in Christmas. But on the same property, there's another sign that said, Breakfast with Santa. <laughs> so I would have taken one sign down and leave the other one there. The who is God's son, Jesus Christ. Then we have the what. The what of Christmas. God sent forth his son. That's the essence of Christmas, of God sending forth his son. Now, that was with a purpose. That was with a plan. And so we have, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. So the what of Christmas is not wrapping gifts or even giving them. It's not chestnuts roasting over an open fire. It's not decorating a tree. It's not over a river and through the woods. It's the God sent forth his son. That is the what of Christmas. Now, when did this happen? Scriptures tell us well, that's not it. We're having technical difficulties. There we go. When the fullness of time had come. Fullness of time. He came when? In the fullness of time. What did that mean? I think two aspects of that. One, the fullness of time is divinely fixed. Because the scripture will tell us that 
On the one hand, he was foreknown before the creation of the world. But on the other hand, he was revealed at the end of time for your sake. He existed so far before that when he came, it was like the end of an age and an end of time. And so it was divinely fixed. But the other factor of it is, it was historically fitting that Jesus should have been born when he was, rather than 100 years before or 200 years ago or uh, 300 years before that. Let me show you why. When in the Old Testament, Persia, from here, is in power. But what was happening is there were rumblings over in the West, and it was from a man by the name of Philip of Macedon who conquered. And he passed this tradition off to his son, whose name was Alexander. Alexander the Pretty Good. <laughs> now, Alexander the Pretty Good was lounging around with his wife one day, and she said, you know, you don't want to be known as Alexander the Pretty Good all your life. Oh, no, what do I want to be known as? Well, Alexander the Great, silly. Okay, how do I do that? Just conquer the known world. Okay, I'll do it. And he did, which gives rise to an observation that in human history, behind every great man is a very surprised mother-in-law. <laughs> so Alexander conquered the known world. Books say that the Alexander conquering the Persians was like, made the greatest military accomplishment. But he did something along the way, because he had a mission. He wanted to spread the Greek culture. So he, start, he organized cities in every place he conquered. It was a model of a, a Greek city. And Greek spread. The people, if it wasn't your first language, you pick up as a second language because Greek became a language of commerce and culture and communication. So this was going on and this continued until the time when Jesus would come. But something else. The Jews were under Alexander the Great. They did pretty good. But Alexander didn't live forever, and eventually they were, put in they were ruled by someone from Greece who was terrible, Antiochus Epiphanes. And I won't go into all this, but it became very hard on them. So they started to have a revolt, the Hasmoneans and the Maccabees, Judas the Maccabee, and they revolted. And for a period of 100 years, they were pretty autonomous. They didn't become a world power, but they were ruling themselves. And then another world power came on the scene that took over the Greek Empire, which was Rome. And Rome didn't want this little pocket of resistance, so they put up a valiant fight, but Rome conquered them. But now as we start getting into the New Testament period, the Jews had just had 100 years of independence and were conquered, and they probably thought about this a lot and said, maybe we did something wrong. Maybe we tried to do this too much on our own effort. Maybe we weren't looking enough to God to provide this. And they were anticipating the son of David coming, the Messiah coming, and deliver us from the Roman power that had overpowered them. Now, the Rome came in, and they did a lot of construction, mainly of roads. Put roads everywhere. And they were fine roads. In fact, it wouldn't be better roads constructed until 1800s. They went all the way into England with these roads. Now, because they had excellent roads, they could dispatch their armies very quickly to put down any rebellion. So there was something they called the Pax Romana, the Peace of Rome. The travel became very easy and also safer than it has ever been. And so this was all going on after the Old Testament was over, and then we land when Jesus is born, because it's in the fullness of time. Now, here's why. Remember, God sent Jesus, and Jesus said, just as the Father sent me, so send I you. That sounds good. Where is he going to send us? Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Well, we have his words recorded in the book of Acts. 
you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, uh -huh, and Judea and Samaria, and into the farthest parts of the earth. Now, when they first heard this, they could have said something like, before they could have said something, like, oh, but Lord, the whole world? Everybody is speaking a different language. How will we ever communicate? Ah, but in the fullness of time, what language could they use? Greek. And when the New Testament came to be written, it was written in Greek, and not highfalutin Greek or the Greek classical Greek, but the Greek Koine Greek, the Greek of uh, the common people. They could understand it. Now, it's like, you know, if you read Shakespeare, you know it's English, but it, we don't talk that way. You know, it's a different kind of English, right? Um, thou dost not speak this way, dost thou? No. Right. Better say nay. Okay. No, okay. <laughs> thou dost not speak this way, dost thou? Nay. A little louder. Nay. You sound a little hoarse. All right, now some of the disciples might be saying, but Lord, wouldn't it be good if people were expecting something, a little bit of hype? He said, better yet, I'll give you hope. That the Jews were hoping for God to intervene at this time. Oh, okay. Oh, but Lord, it's so far away. The roads are, have terrible condition. There are no roads, actually. Well, there weren't before, but now the Rome built the roads. So you see, it was divinely fixed, but in the fullness of time, you had a great language, wide anticipation, and a system of transportation that would spread the word that God had sent forth his son in the fullness of time. Where? Under the law. Christ was born when the law system was still in effect, given through Moses. And he was born as a Jewish man, a Jewish family. And he had to keep all the law. He was required to do it. In fact, he did. And he was the only one that did it perfectly. But because of his death, burial, and resurrection, he could release us from the bondage to that law because he fulfilled it. Somebody finally did and could give us a period of grace. And that's why John will tell us that for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul will tell us later that you are not under law because of what Christ did. You are under grace. And so... That's where Christ was born, under the law. Now, that's theologically. If you're thinking geographically, let me ask you, where was Jesus born? Now, try that again a little louder. Where was Jesus born? But were his parents there at the time? Yes. Okay. If you answered no to that, pay more attention to what we're saying. Okay. The next one is, this is it. This is Bethlehem was in prophecy for Micah. In fact, this was written 700 years before Jesus was born. And not only did Jesus fulfill that prophecy, he fulfilled over 300 prophecies of the Messiah. That's not just chance. He's a long-expected Jesus. How? What's the how of Christmas? Born of a woman. That's how we got here. And that's how Jesus did as well. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And now we come to the why question. Boy, we covered five of them. Why? To redeem us, to redeem those who are under the law, so we might receive adoption as sons. So this is the concept in scripture of 
redemption. And I did a lot of work on this, and I'm not going to bore you with it, but, the, but keep some things in mind. Redemption is particularly focused to slaves or people in bondage when you see the usage of it. It has the idea in the various words that are translated to um, pay a price. That was essential in all of them. Different words give little nuances. Some also focus on price was paid and the prisoner, the slave, was released, delivered from bondage. Another one has the idea of buying in a marketplace. A common word is agorazo, which I say that, so you notice that agora is the word that is the base of it, the marketplace. Uh, so it was bought in a marketplace. And the word used in this particular passage is ek agorazo, which has the idea of being bought out of a marketplace. So no returns. You know, you bought it, you take it, they're not going back. Slave would be happy to hear that. The pr immense price was paid, he was taken out, he was set free, and he never was going to go back again. Those are some of the cores of the word. Now, what I'd like to do this is maybe communicate some of this truth by telling you a story. Now, I've been taking an excellent class from adult Bible classes with uh, Ted Long and uh, Don Mills on the Pilgrim's Progress. As I said, you know, perhaps I can tell you this information in that way. So I worked on a story called The Prisoner's Progress. So with apologies to John Bunyan. Now what you're going to find if you read The Pilgrim's Progress is that Bunyan put scripture in all along the way. And I'm going to do that by utilizing the uh, screen, hopefully. Are you ready? Okay. And one day I had a dream. And in this dream, I was in a prison cell. Um, it was a holding place for slaves that were ready to be auctioned off. It was musty, it was smelly, it was dark. There was only one door that was severely closed. And all the panels, all the bricks that was in this room had commandments written on it from the First Testament all over. And I was struck also by looking that some had checks on it, like with a piece of white chalk. Not all. Some had two. And then I saw the first prisoner. His name was Effort. He was just finishing making a check mark and standing back and looking at it. And I said, did you do all these checks? Oh, yeah. I got a lot more to do, too, but I'm making great progress. All right. Another prisoner, his name was William, William Devane. And he was, he had a lot of stones in his hands that he thought were gold. I buy gold at every opportunity, but I don't have anything to buy it with, so all I got is these rocks. But gold is great. Gold is great. You got to got gold, because gold is the most valuable thing you can get. And gold is imperishable. It won't corrode. It, would, it, won't, it, won't, it, won't, it won't rust. It's wonderful. If I had one of these of real gold, I, I could buy myself out of here. If I, could, if I had the whole thing of gold, I, I, could, I, could, I could get you all out of here. Ah, oh, gold is great. He kept going on like that, even though it was stones. I hope he was using his imagination, not diluted. Until um, Effort came over and said, hey, I found one of them over here. You can have this. Oh, okay, that's very kind of you. Okay, oh, good, kindness. I'll get another one. 
hey, wasn't I kind to you when you I mess, first, mess the, first met a stranger? Yeah. Okay. So he's still keeping score. Now, the next prisoner in the cell was named Orphan. Yes, both my parents were slaves, so I was born into slavery, and I've only known slavery all my whole life. But then my parents died, and so I have no mother or father, and I so much would like to have a family, someone to, um, you know, relate to me well, and that I could have a status within their family and the community, and, 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 and I could have an inheritance someday given to me. Well, William said, don't be ridiculous. Nobody adopts a slave. You have to be a free person. And even then, good luck in that happening. Effort said, well, that wasn't very nice. Did he hurt your feelings? Well, not too much. Well, I hope you get over it. Well, that's very kind of you. Yes. The fourth prisoner was sort of sitting in, in the corner, shaking. Are you cold? No, I'm fearful. In fact, that's my name, fearful. Well, what are you afraid of? I'm afraid of dying. I don't know what to expect after I die, and I suspect it's not going to be good. So I'm just shaking out of fear of what will happen when I leave this life. And yes. And so he was shaking with fear. Orphan was imagining how good it would be if he got adopted. William was counting his gold, and Effort was still making check marks on the wall and admiring his effort. Hardly anybody noticed that a scroll had appeared out of nowhere on the floor. Well, what's that? Effort picked it up. It's got a name on it. It says, Orphan. That must be mine. Well, yeah, here. Why don't you use it? Thank you very much. You're very kind. Uh, oh, good. An orphan opened up the scroll and started to read. And it said, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Wow, son of God, that's great. Through faith, must be my faith. He kept reading. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts who called... Who calls Abba father? That's what I call my father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if you are a son, then you're also an heir through God. That's wonderful. And he was enjoying what he read. But then another scroll appeared. Well, I'll look at this one this time because I already have one. Oh, it says William. Here, William. And he gave this scroll to William, who opened his scroll up and began to read. Now you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold. Perishable things? Gold doesn't perish. Oh, and well, it's silver and gold is not enough? Well, what is? Keep reading. Oh, all right but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. That's amazing. So the precious blood of the lamb makes the valuable without worth. 
makes the imperishable perishable. And he pondered that. Ah, the scroll appeared again. They looked at the name, and it was fearful. So they gave it to him. Don't give it to me. I may get a paper cut, then I'll bleed, then I'll die sooner. I don't know what happens to die because I'm afraid of dying. Now look, Orphan didn't have any trouble. Oh. So he opened it up and said, Perfect love casts out fear. Oh, that would be wonderful. But what is perfect love? Keep on reading. All right. Love consists in this. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amazing. See, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm going to keep working on accomplishing these things because I think I can work it out a lot better than uh, something more precious than gold or an atoning sacrifice that takes fear away or even gets you adopted. But he didn't notice there was a... Fearful said... Yes, but you haven't seen all the blocks clearly. What do you mean? I'm sitting on one or next to one, and you haven't looked at it. Here, look at that. So he looked over and read what the blocks said. For the one who obeys the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. You mean if I did all of these except one, and I, I, could, I would still not make it? I'm cursed. You're all cursed. And then another scroll was noticed. So he picked it up and began to read what it was written for him. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed by everyone who does not abide by the, all the things written in the book of the law and do them. I told you, we're cursed. Keep reading. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming cursed for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So I don't have to bear the curse because Jesus did? Ah, another scroll appeared and had all their names on it, but with efforts, the largest one. And they opened it up and read, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Jesus Christ so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. For no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. And they all pondered that. And as they did so, the door of the cell opened. And there was a hallway, and then outside could be seen from there. And what's interesting is on every block on the floor of the hallway was a single word, faith. There was no block that didn't have that on it, and there was no other word except faith. Only there was faith. 
Orphan said, well, yes, remember I first read that. It's by faith that I can be adopted. I'm going to go. And then Fearful said, yes, I see the love that provided that and the atoning sacrifice. I'm going to depend on that. And he began to walk out. William said, well, this gold is not worth anything. I need something more precious than that. And that's what I'll put my trust in. And he began to walk. Until finally, Effort said, yes, it's not by doing the works. It's by faith, as the scroll, scroll told me. And he began to walk. And all four of them walked down the hallway on the floor of faith and went outside and appreciated the clear air and the warm breeze and the nice sun and the smell of flowers. And effort went on, still doing good works, but not to earn his redemption, but because he had redemption, he did it in appreciation for receiving it. And the one who was fearful, who became fearless, went to others who were sharing or needing the removal of fear from their lives to share about the love of Jesus Christ. And William did accumulate a lot of real gold, but more importantly, he rejoiced in being able to give it away and to help people who were in need. But orphan, orphan spoke up, but sir, what can you tell me about adoption? Well, orphan, look down the road here. Do you see there's a man coming toward us? Yes, that is Adam Swift. Is he a tailor? No, it's not Taylor Swift. It's, it's Pastor Swift. Oh, now he's going to come and tell you everything you probably wanted to know about adoption. But it'll take him a little time to get here. He'll be here next week. <laughs> and so all of them, all these prisoners, all these pr slaves, were actually getting a new master in Jesus Christ. They had become slaves of Jesus Christ. And you say, well, didn't that violate their freedom? No, 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 no. Because being a slave of Christ is what it really means to be truly free. You see, Christ was born. Oh, I'm not quite done. These are some essential scriptures. For you were called freedom, brothers. Not only, do, not only use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. There's still responsibility. We have freedom, but we use that to be enslaved to Jesus. Christ was born to redeem us. And this is the first gift of Christmas. Let's pray.